Hello, hello, and uh, welcome to the first edition to the Soto Mojo podcast. Uh, we're back up and running after two years of being down, but uh, we're glad to be back and uh, excited for the 2017 season. I'm uh, Adam Levy. I'm the editor of Soto Mojo, and I'm here with contributors Alex Sommerfeld, Riley Baker, and Colby Padnode. Say hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. Uh... So, obviously, it's been an exciting offseason uh, with over a dozen trades and then another dozen sightings that Jerry DePoto is, uh, has done this offseason. He's now over 35 trades since joining the Mariners in 2015 after the season ended. So, he is continuing to be on a tear. Uh, this season, he went big, getting Gene Segura, Drew Smiley, uh, Giovanni Gallardo and others as we'll go over but um, the first thing that we'll we'll go into is what moves were the most impactful for this offseason so who do you guys feel is going to make the biggest impact both offensively and defensively during the 2017 season uh, I think it, uh, it kind of has to be Gene Segura I mean if Gene Segura is not the biggest impact uh, acquisition, then the Mariners are in big, big trouble. So, I mean, out of necessity, it almost has to be Gene Segura, at least from, you know, the way I look at it. Do you expect him to get another 200 hits, or what? what is, what are his expectations going forward, Colby? Uh, I think that's probably a little bit too much to ask. Um, you know, it's entirely possible you just saw Gene Segura's best year in his career, but he is only 26 years old. Um, he was a highly touted prospect, so, you know, expecting that is kind of a bit much, but I, I don't see any reason why he can't be, you know, what he's asked to be, which is a solid number two hitter, hit 10, 15 home runs, steal 30 bags, get on base 34, 35% of the time. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, as long as, like you said, I mean, he doesn't need to bat 300. I know that you guys, um, we would all love him to do that, but, um, what about you, Alex O'Reilly? What do you guys think uh, who the biggest impact is and who maybe not the biggest offseason move, but a guy who needs to produce big numbers in order for the Mariners to come through and really make a playoff push and even a championship push? Well, offensively, it certainly has to go over. <laughs> uh, Segura, I mean, he just have a really uh, probably the best bat the Mariners have ever acquired, uh, probably the best shortstop they're going to have since since Aaron, but defensively, it's going to have to be Dyson. Uh, they have now they finally have the three center fielders that they've they've always wanted. What do you guys think of the idea that um, I was thinking about this earlier? That you got Segura, great talent, but at the same time, you know, without Dyson, it's kind of it leaves the possibility that if Segura were to have a down year, you know, not 200 hits, but even like let's say 150, that you would need that extra guy. So bringing in Dyson, you've now got, you know, if one doesn't work and the other comes through, you've got that double power now that can help for uh, getting on base for Nelson Cruz, Kyle Seeger, Robinson Cano. So it's kind of the duo of both, right, offensively? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, they always say speed never goes into a slump. So I think it's huge to have those two quick guys, good on base, um, just at the top of the lineup, set up the table for the big three that come up after them. 
And then yeah. what are you guys' expectations for uh, for the big three? Obviously, uh, Nelson Cruz this spring training has kind of um, he's been on a tear. Uh, home runs in his first at bats in both games. So uh, at this pace, you know he's going to hit 162 home runs in 2017. So uh, you know, obviously, we can expect big things from him, or is this just you know a lucky start? I'm, I uh, think we should expect big things. Why not? He always does. I don't think we should expect him to struggle. He's getting kind of old, but not that old. So I think he'll be fine. Uh, definitely have a big year. And hopefully Seager doesn't struggle coming out of the gates like he normally does. Hopefully figures that out. And I don't think Cano will have as good of a year as he's had last year, but he'll certainly be up close to that. So with all the, the moves that they've made, you know, to bring in guys, is there maybe one player that was lost this season that you guys are thinking, wow, maybe DePoto shouldn't have let that guy go? Uh, Malik Smith, they shouldn't have traded him <laughs> to the race. <laughs> wow. This uh, is a great era. <laughs> All 45 minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I that's kind of the nice thing about DePoto's offseason here is that he didn't really give up any any major contributors from last year aside from Taiwan Walker, who, I mean, it looked pretty clear it was just time to move on from him. And uh, so, I mean, honestly, the guy I'm most upset about losing is a guy named Zach Little or Littell, something like he's a prospect that we gave away Mm -hmm. for uh, James Pezos. And, you know, that's just, I'm kind of a prospect guy. He always intrigued me, but he wasn't close to the major league. So, honestly, off the 25-man roster, you know, maybe the person that you miss the most is Deho Lee, and that's, that's probably more for off the field stuff than it is on the field stuff. So, I yeah, really he was uh, he was a fan favorite for sure. He was, uh, you know, had that um, body type of a Pablo Sandoval, but the uh, personality of um, I don't know. I just one of the most lovable players out there. I mean, he just had a smile every time he went out to play. Exactly. But uh, um, and then um, like you had mentioned, Pezos. I mean, he he did a good job in the Yankee system so far. So, uh, Colby, what do you expect uh, out of him? And do you see him making the team roster for Opening Day, or is he get some guy that's going to work into something? I think he's a guy that's going to have to work into something. Um, you know, it seems like they really want Miranda to make the team in the bullpen. Um, Zipchinski's the other lefty. I don't think they carry three lefties, but the guy has a really good fastball and a really good slider, and uh, they're definitely going to need him at some point in the uh, in the 2017 season. So I'm interested to see what he does in spring training, what he looks like. But uh, you know, in April, probably not much of an impact unless Miranda or Zipchinski gets hurt. But uh, definitely a guy that you're going to need down the stretch. So I'll be interested to watch him and see how he performs in spring training. Well, so far, he hasn't had a chance, to my knowledge, in spring training. We've seen other guys like um, Pat Vendette. You know, he's been out there. Uh, Dean Keefer, you know, the Mariners just acquired this offseason. So, you know, they're getting a lot of uh, a lot of usage out of some new guys. Chris Heston was starting today, if you could call it a starting role in spring ball, you know, when you go two innings. But he went out, uh, pitched one hit ball. So, you know, you got a lot of guys who are young and have a lot of talent um, that uh, can do a lot of good for the team. So 
hopefully that's what they can produce more of in 2017. So then we've got spring training, as we kind of already talked about. But uh, what does spring training mean for you guys? You know, we're two games in. We've got another 30 or so left. Um, does a guy's performance in spring training, you know, we mentioned Nelson Cruz. Um, we had, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, but Guillermo Heredia had a ridiculous first game. Um, got two doubles and a single and uh, three RBIs, two runs scored. So he was off to a good start. You know, he um, is in that battle with uh, Ben Gamble for some uh, utility time. So um, what does spring tra- training mean? And uh, in these early games, is there anything that you guys are particularly noticing? Uh, I think as long as the main guys aren't just having a terrible time in Arizona, I think it there's nothing to worry about. Uh, I guess we're, um, you want to see the young guys like uh, Vogelbach or, like you said, Heredia or Gamo produce and show that they can handle uh, <clears throat> big league pitching. I think you want those guys to produce more than you worry about uh, the veterans and whatnot. And then when you see battles happening, like obviously um, you've got Vogelbach, Vogelbach and Valencia, although, you know, the latest reports are that Valencia is going to play kind of all over the place and maybe Vogelbach is going to play, uh, I would, two-thirds of the game at first. So it's less of a platoon, but, you know, still that platoon role. But when you have that, when you have Ruiz and Zanino at the catcher spot, which uh, has been reported by Eric Mandel uh, of um, uh, my Northwest, you know, he says that maybe that could be more of a competition than people expect. So is there any kind of battle going on that you guys see as one to watch? Uh, it's pretty much, for me, it's the battle for the uh, fourth outfielder and then the battle for the utility guy. The uh, fourth outfielder is probably going to come down to Gamel or Heredia. Um, both have their different strengths, but uh, and it's possible both make the team if they decide to not go with Vogelbach at first base, but... Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Ben Gamble versus uh, Guillermo Heredia, and then in the utility spot, it's kind of it seems like it's Sean O'Malley's job to lose. But uh, I know they think that Taylor Motter is going to hit, and uh, Mike Freeman. Well, I mean, he's on the roster, so I suppose he has a chance. But uh, pretty much those two spots, I don't really buy Ruiz is going to come in and catch more than Zanino. But I mean, it's possible, but I don't buy it. And then. Speaking of Zanino, if uh, if his spot is up for grabs, that's you know you know up for Scott Service to decide during spring training. But if this happens to be another year where Zanino kind of flops, you know he's had a couple of chances so far. What happens with Mike Zanino? What does he have a future with the M's, or is he kind of like in a Taiwan Walker situation where they've given him chances and chances and chances, and eventually you just got to part ways. I think it's different with Zanino. I mean, he is kind of if he if he has another down year, he is kind of in that situation. But he's still a really strong defensive catcher that can stick around just because of his glove and the way he handles a rotation. So I think it's a little bit different. But offensively, there's definitely still question, and we'll see how he does this year. And then, do you guys see that if that's the case, do you see that there's going to be? Um a catcher to watch in spring training? Is there any guy that um, is in the minor league system that you guys are looking at? No. <laughs> I mean, there's uh catcher is not really one of the strengths of the organization depth-wise. 
Um, and it's not hard to see why. I think if Zanino really struggles this year, you'd see Ruiz get most of the looks, and then Zanino, if they do send him down, I guess it's probably Tuffy Goswich, I think is how you pronounce his last name. <laughs> but, right. uh, I mean, other than that, there's not really a big strength. Sucre couldn't hit. That's why he's not here. And, uh, I mean, Tyler Marlette, way down in single A, he'll probably start the year in double A, but I don't really think he's going to be your answer. So in terms of guys I'm watching this spring, uh, I'm pretty much watching Mike Zanino and hoping that he can at least, you know, provide something at the plate. And then do you think that um, that with the WBC coming up, you know, you've got a lot of the big names out, you know, Alex, I believe it was you who mentioned that, you know, it's you want to see how these these guys come through during uh, spring training and see that they're not doing a terrible job. So will the WBC also be an indication of how players are going to do? You know, you've got Gallardo going uh, as well, Hernandez and others. So what are you guys looking for in the WBC? Uh, it would be nice to see them do well, but you, I think it's more important you just they don't get injured playing in a playing in the WBC. I think that's more important than if they do well. I mean, it'll be really nice if they do well, but I think injuries, not getting injured is most important. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I just flipped this question out to you guys. Do you guys have any problems with, like, Felix Hernandez or Giovanni Gallardo playing in the WBC at all? I don't have a problem with it because it means a lot to them to represent Mm -hmm. uh, their country and where they come from. But as a fan, it's kind of it's hard because you don't want to see them get injured, but at the same time, you get some competition to watch that isn't just, you know, warm-up spring training down in Arizona that doesn't really count for anything. Yeah, and I think that with um, with Felix, I mean, clearly, uh, you know, when he did his very, like, two-start stint in the Winter League and you know, all the reports that are saying that he's just got this fire in his belly going, you know, I think that if he stays healthy, which you know, uh, he has most of his career, obviously last year was, uh, not a good sign, but if he's, you know, been doing all this training, he gained some weight, you know, I think that this could be a good start for him to kind of get things going. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I think he's a little more motivated. He's, uh, in better shape. You see all those, uh, Instagram videos, of him working. I think he's more motivated than he's been in years past. I don't think he's kind of lollygagging at all. I um, all you got in spring training or anything like that. I think he's, he realizes that now is the time that they can make a playoff run, and he's determined to do so. Yeah, I don't know. The only problem I have with that is I, I actually I'm probably in the very, very, very silent minority here, but I don't want to see Felix pitch in the WBC. I really don't think that he should be. Uh, you know, last year he got hurt, whatever, but at the end of the day, the number one reason that the 2016 Mariners didn't make the playoffs was Felix Hernandez. Now, I mean, he has a 10-year a ten year track record that will excuse that. But, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's just kind of weird. You have this WBC and then Felix gets in shape. I mean, we, we know Felix isn't exactly the hardest working guy in between starts, but he's a good teammate. And every fifth day, he gives you everything he's got. So he gets a little bit of a pass. But honestly, after the season he's had, I'm, I don't, it just kind of doesn't sit well with me. But at the same time, I don't want – you know, I didn't want to be the guy who tells somebody that you can't go pitch for your country. So, I mean, you know, just me personally, I, I would prefer you not do it. But, you know, I'm also not going to not going to bash the guy too hard after everything he's done for the Mariners. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little uneasy with him, actually. 
So do you feel pretty positive then when you see a guy like Hisashi Iwakuma, who was completely healthy last year, and he he decides to sit out? So you'd rather you'd rather Felix do something like that? Well, you know, I just I look at somebody. I mean, the narrative with Felix Hernandez has been this is an ace pitcher who needs to get into the playoff series, and the Mariners have just done him wrong. Well, yeah, for the most part. But last year, again, Felix was the biggest reason. He didn't stay healthy. There were some reports that he didn't really take care of himself while he was injured. He didn't work as hard as he could to get back. I mean, you look at a guy like James Paxson, who has every reason to go pitch for Team Canada, decided not to. He wanted to give everything to the Mariners. And, you know, it's selfish of me to sit here and say, you know, I want Felix to only care about the Mariners. But I think it's a little selfish of him, too, to sit there and, you know, realize he didn't have his best year and then he's going he's gonna to leave and go pitch in a tournament that really doesn't have that big of an impact, at least for us. I mean, I don't know what it's like for the players. It seems like it's a huge deal for them. And, again, it, it's tough because I don't want to be that guy who just says, no, you shouldn't pitch. Uh, you haven't earned anything because he has. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of where I sit. I, I like that Iwakuma said no. I mean, Iwakuma's got enough injury issues to worry about. I like that Paxson said no. You know, I would have preferred that Giovanni Gallardo, who's playing for a new team for the first time, said no. But that seemed, that's probably selfish of me. So I would have preferred he said no. But, again, I'm not going to crush the guy for it. I agree with you a lot on the Gallardo front just because, as you said, new team. But also, you know, we haven't seen – the league hasn't seen him at his best for a while. You know, even before the injury, you know, he had some really good years early on. But for him to start to get into a groove, you know, you'd like to see him do that for club and maybe instead of country. Um, you know, so I think it's a case-by-case basis, but – you know, when we're talking about the future of the Mariners, you know, that got me thinking when you have a player who's maybe who earned his spot in the on the Canadian roster, you know, you have a player like Tyler O'Neill, who, um, you know, he did everything for the Mariners last year, whether it was in fall league ball or minor league ball, he was just a complete stud. So, you know, I'm sure the organization is holding their breath when he goes out there, even though, you know, with his Canadian flag on uh, our Canadian maple leaf on his uh, on his butt tattooed on his body. You know, this is a guy who really like bleeds for his country in a way. So, you know, there's kind of that conflict as well. So then um, if the Mariners have a good off season, our good spring training, as they've had so far, as, as I've said, it's only two games in. And, you know, we're talking about all these progressions and everyone kind of showing what they can do, but obviously staying healthy. But if all of that goes well in the WBC and spring training, what do you think that means for the 2017 season? If anything, obviously, you know, their competition, no one's putting out their full rosters. No one's really playing um, the best ball that they can or giving it their all. But does it mean something to have a good spring training, or does it mean something if they end up flopping and losing the rest of their games? I think you'd be more worried if they just didn't win another game than compared to you'd be like how optimistic you'd be if they won the rest of their games. I think you'd be more worried um, just they totally flop, and I think that would be a bigger issue than if they were just great the rest of the way, then they might have all these uh, just, I don't know, they want to continue it or something like that. I don't know. But if they if they go, let's say twenty five and five or however many games they play, 
Um, does that mean that everyone should expect them to win 95 games or so? Or do you think that it kind of means just, oh, they, they did well, you know, with kind of a second tier roster compared to the rest of the league. Now let's see what the, what the starters can do. Spring training is just, if you go 25 and five, for example, it's kind of just a pat on the back. Like we did good. We had a successful spring. Now let's go into the season and try and continue it. But it really doesn't mean a whole lot as far as record goes it it's more important to look at the individual performances i think and even then you can't really look too far into it because they will be facing like potential triple a or four a guys on the mound as hitters or vice versa so you can't you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt but at the same time you still want to see some success individual player wise yeah, it makes you think, though, with the offense that they've been putting on so far that um, who knows how much is just, you know, things coming together for all these players or if uh, bringing in Scott Brocious as a hitting coach is really making a big difference. Yeah, I try not to read too much into spring training. I don't I don't look at stats at the end of the year at the end of the spring. I don't really care who I, if the Mariners play really well. The most exciting part of that for me is that it shows that the farm system's growing. Um, you know, I'm a big-time Seahawks fan, and when I watch preseason football, I'm one of those guys. I think the preseason does kind of matter in a sense that it shows me where their depth stacks up to everybody else because until the last, you know, week of the of the spring training, most of these guys are either off playing in the WBC or they're going to get, you know, two at-bats and then be out of the game. So you're going to see a lot of these non-roster invitees finish out these games. So... If they finish with a good record, to me, that just means that Jerry DePoto has done a really good job of putting depth into this organization. And maybe it's not the highest end uh, type of talent that he's bringing in, but it is at least, you know, suitable major league players that can come up if there's an injury or somebody's slumping. So, you know, for me, that's what uh, that's what spring training records are all about. But, uh, you know, like you guys have already said, just stay healthy. I, I really – I don't care if they, you know, if they score in the next – 30 games, I don't care if they score, you know, 300 runs. I really don't. It's just, it's not important to me. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, wins and losses is only nice if uh, you're getting to see some of the depth that you have that can be called up from Tacoma if there's an injury. So that's what spring training is for me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, these, the farm system has something to prove. Uh, I believe that uh, ESPN just came out with their rankings of the farm systems, and I think that the Mariners ranked 23rd, which is not so great. But, uh, you know, if they can obviously outplay that ranking, you know, that at least says to the league, you know, you should watch out down the road. So uh, I think you're right, Colby, that it's not necessarily about now, but, you know, preparing for the future. And uh, so far, you know, you've got a lot of guys um, that have been playing really well. And it's good to see, you know, they put Boog Powell out there. So, you know, he's getting some reps too. So with all this said, guys, what do you think is a first realistic expectation for the M's this year? And then second, uh, maybe what would you like to see from the M's? Kind of like um, a bold prediction. What, uh, what do you think would be a stretch but you know kind of possible well i'd like to see 13 runs every game in the regular season (laughs) as far as realistic predictions go (laughs) um you know 
I think 90 wins is a strong possibility at this point. Um, you know, around 88 to 90 wins, I think, is something we could see. Just with the improvements we've made in the offseason, the way the offense should be able to click this year, and just all around with the bullpen, too. Yeah, I feel like we're going to finish at least first or second in the in the AOS and at least get a wild card spot. I think that's kind of I think that's the expectation for this year, and uh, I don't think they'll accept anything less than that. So then, when you guys see sites, you know uh, USA Today and others, kind of saying that the Mariners are still going to finish third or fourth and finish with about eighty three to eighty five wins and miss out on the playoffs. Uh, do you think they're they're seeing something that um, that isn't too special, or why do you think it is that they're not giving the Mariners that extra bump, considering the big moves that they've made to bolster their rotation and also the lineup? Uh, the big thing with those projection sites, what you really want to look at instead of record, is where they place. Uh, you know, like in the American League. Um, mm -hmm. I know Fangraphs had them at like 83 wins, which sounded low, but they also that was the fifth most wins in the American League, which is you know a playoff spot. So I wouldn't get too hung up on the win loss predictions. It's more about where you think they're going to finish. And uh, like I know Fangraphs has them at like 83, and then they are the fifth or sixth best record in the American League. But the fifth or sixth best record gets you into the playoffs now. So. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock into the, per, into the win projections. Those are just – they're essentially their guesses. They they always have the Kansas City Royals winning 75 games, and for two of the last three years they've won 90. So, I mean, it's just tough to know with uh, those projections. But it would be great if the Mariners could exceed expectations like the Royals did the past handful of years, but it uh, hasn't happened yet. No, it has not. So do you guys then see from your perspective that the Mariners are a playoff team? I do. It may just be that I'm a hopeful fan wanting this drought to finally come to an end. But this team just feels different. We have a lot of pieces that we haven't seen in the past. This outfield is as athletic. We have a lot of speed at the top of the lineup. And then we have the guys in the middle of the lineup to drive them in. We have a rotation that in my opinion, appears to be pretty well-rounded compared to years past, and a bullpen that hopefully can hold down leads that we have late in the game. So I think we have a good formula right now to have a potential 90-win season and hopefully a playoff berth. I'm excited. Yeah, the uh, I, I think they are a playoff team. I'm not sure if they're a playoff team right now on paper, mm -hmm. but... Uh, I do think they're good enough to stay in the race in July, be within a couple games of the division, maybe the wild card, maybe have a wild card spot. And uh, that's when, uh, you know, you trust Jerry DePoto to go out and get creative and make a deal that brings in a, uh, a big piece that you need. And, you know, maybe it's a big name guy like Andrew McCutcheon or Eric Hosmer or somebody like that. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's a couple of just nice bullpen pieces and a number, you know, like a number four starter. Maybe that's what gets it done. But. They're definitely in it right now to compete, and then I just I, I I think they're a playoff team. I think they can make the playoffs right now as the roster sits and everybody stays healthy. But uh, I think main I think the uh, main goal of Jerry Depoto was to have a competitive team so that he can get into July when prices actually drop a little bit on these big name players, and then he can go and he can uh, 
he can add to his team and really make a push for the uh, playoffs. So when he says it's win now mode and, you know, obviously the team's slogan is whatever it takes, do you see that whatever it takes means that it's going to be a mid-season acquisition that's going to come in and help this team? Or, you know, is it possible that we're looking at another 2014 or 2016 team where, you know, they miss out of the playoffs by one or two games and with all these contracts, a lot of the ones that they sign this offseason, you know, they're shorter deals. So what happens next if they don't make the playoffs? Uh, as painful as it would be to uh, do this, I think what they should do is I think they should kind of blow it up a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you can get much for Felix, but you get the contract off the books. You can certainly get something really good for Kyle Seeger, maybe a couple of uh, higher-end prospects. Nelson Cruz is going to have value because his deal is manageable. Um, that's what I think they should do, but what I think they will do is I think they'll just kind of stick with their core, uh, their core four, and then they'll probably stick with Segura too, and then they'll just go out and they'll try to put the players around them. Uh, I don't think Gary DePolo has any interest in going in a full, you know, a full rebuild mode. I think he wants to every year be right around 83 to 85 wins and then just kind of see what he can get at the deadline. I think that's probably his long-term goal, but, uh, that's just me. What do you guys think? Oh, I think if uh, they didn't, if they don't uh, make the playoffs this year, I don't think they'd completely blow it up and do a rebuild, kind of like you said. As long as the main guys are still producing, I think they just continue to add pieces until they get uh, to the playoffs. Just if the starting pitching doesn't work out this year, I think they just continue to add pitching, and uh, I don't think they just trade everyone away. I don't think they deal Felix quite yet if they don't make the playoffs, but. I think maybe two or three years they don't make the playoffs, I think they start another total rebuild. Well, one thing about next season, if they don't win, uh, Iwakuma is on a team option, and obviously his contract was like extremely high, over $10 million. So without re-signing him, if the M's don't win, I mean, right there, that already frees up so much cap space. So, um, you know, the Mariners can go out and then spend so much more money on maybe some guy who's up and coming that's got a lot of promise. So, I mean, that's just one idea. Yeah. And that way you also get to keep Felix. Yeah, I wrote an article similar to this a couple months ago. But basically the idea here is, is that if the Mariners tank and they're not good in July and they're not competitive, they do have really valuable trade chips that they can trade midseason. Uh, Iwakuma is a guy that they can trade. They can trade Drew Smiley. He's got two years left. They can trade Gene Segura. He'll have a year and a half left on his deal. I mean, it's not just the big names, you know, the core that they can trade. They can always trade Nelson Cruz, but Segura at 26, 27 years old is going to have value in July if the team tanks. So will Drew Smiley, so will Hisashi Iwakuma. I mean, it's it's so does Danny Valencia for that matter. So, um, you know, that's kind of that's kind of my feeling on that. So, in the case of Drew Smiley, do you guys think that you know it's not very often that you have a, a GM who's so fixated on one player. So do you think that maybe he sees, uh, DePoto sees something special from Smiley, something that's not just one year? Or, you know, is it like Colby said, is it kind of just like we really want the best out of him because we see a lot of potential, and if we can't do that, let's just get the best we can from him? Well, I think Jerry is a smart man, and he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> um, uh, that's kind of simple, but 
Uh, he's been really, um, he's done a really good job at acquiring uh, the best players to play in Seattle, and I don't really question any of his moves he's made for the most part, except for getting rid of Sucre. I mean, that was kind of depressing. <laughs> I think he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, uh, I think as far as Smiley, I think him getting out of the AL East, like a lot of people have said, is going to help him a lot. Not that I mean. The AL West is tough, but it's not the small bar, small ball, ballparks and uh, power hitters of the AL East. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, Depoto really fits, or uh, sorry, Smiley really fits the mold that uh, Jerry Depoto likes in his starters. Uh, you know, he has a K per nine of right around eight, eight and a half, and he walks less than three guys per nine innings. So, uh, you know, he's a guy who has good enough stuff to strike you out, but he has some control. And, uh, you know, and his contract's pretty manageable. So, I mean, it's not really shocking that Jerry DePoto has been after Drew Smiley for uh, for a few years, for, well, two years now. It's not surprising to me at all. Well, let's let's hope that the Mariners can all put it together this year. Uh, we've obviously, you know, we've got high hopes. Mariners fans have high hopes. And DePoto, as we've all said, has kind of constructed this team that makes makes everyone kind of think that this is a serious contender that we've got going on this year. So uh, let's hope it happens. Um, but thanks, everyone, for joining me today. And um, next week we'll go over more spring training stuff and continue breaking down the roster as we get closer to the 2017 Mariners season. So we'll catch you all next week. 